Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everybody Relax podcast, facilitated by your boy, licensed clinical social worker and neighborhood therapist, Trey. We are back for another portion of More Than My Credential series, and I have my good man, Dr. Kevin Haggard, on the line with me this time, man. We're going to chop it up, man. Appreciate you coming on, Doc. How you feeling today, man? What's going on with you? Most definitely, man. I appreciate you for inviting me on this space. Uh, when, when you uh, hit me up about it, I was excited about it, especially the topic, uh, it, <laughs> you know, it, you know, that's my thing, man. I was talking about how we gotta, we gotta get away from, uh, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak it. Cause maybe that's not what I, what I, the way that I understand it may not be what it is, but I'm always trying to, uh, to make sure that we recognize people for more than these credentials. And yeah. I think we, we, we do put, put way too much emphasis on credentials, way too much emphasis on it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen you talk about that a couple of times. We chopped it up about that. And that's one of the things that we know we connect with amongst many other things. Yeah. Um, and so we'll get into that, man. I definitely want to give this time and opportunity because, see, I like I like when uh, those who reach out or let's say they do podcasts and facilitation of groups, stuff like that, or these type of interviews. I like to come back and interview that person. Yeah. Because I remember one time you had me on speaking to your class, and I was like, "Man, I, I don't want to. I need to talk." Then we start chopping it up. I was like, "You know, okay, now we need to do a really interview. I need yeah. an interview, Doc, because he, yeah. you know, so he got it, man." But um, so tell me, tell the people, man, where you from? You know what you do? You know how did you got started into the field of social work? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, when I was, you know, 18, graduated high school, graduated high school, went down to, uh, came down to Nashville and went to Tennessee State University. So I came uh, to Nashville. My original plan was to go to TSU, which is HBCU, but my original plan was to come down here, uh, hop in the band, um, mm-hmm. be a, a, a music educator. Okay. Um, uh, go back home, go back home to Louisville, Kentucky, teach be a guidance counselor and then kind of just move my way up through education through k-12 education yeah um my mother she was a, a teacher she taught for like 28 years retired about three years ago my father he was a he's a businessman he has a, a master's in business but he he did everything whatever it, it took he, he worked in in banking roles he uh drove a, a bus a school bus he drove coach buses he okay uh, was a hustler jack of all trades man but he spent some time in in k-12 settings as well and so i think that rubbed off on me and i was like you know i'm gonna go be a guidance counselor so i went to tsu for that purpose uh tried out for the band did the audition um and then i was playing in a a basketball tournament that summer right before my freshman year and i'm trying to remember the name of it it was like a cabbage patch type thing is what they was called. It was basically to raise funds for this local charity, this no- local nonprofit organization. Right. And um, the the tournament ended, Trey, and I was, you know, after playing around, just messing around, and I went up and did a le- tried to do a layup, and one of my knees dislocated. Oh. I spun around and the other one dislocated. Oh. This wasn't, this wasn't, you know, abnormal because my knees had done this all my life. Like all my life, they would dislocate. But what was abnormal about this particular case, I couldn't walk afterwards. Usually I would just re, you know, reposition the knee. Oh, I'll extend it, it would go back. Ow. Ow. <laughs> I would get back up, I would limp around, you know, tighten my knee brace up, whatever. And I was good. But this time I couldn't walk. And um, my father had to come come scoop me up, took me to the hospital and told me I needed surgery. And that surgery I did it, that, that happened like in June, did the surgery in like July. Found out I wasn't going to be able to be uh, physically active like that for a few months. Mm-hmm. Ended up rehabbing until like February of, of that next year. And, uh, and so when I got on campus and told the bands, told them, I was like, hey, I'm not going to be able to march or whatever. Um, they was basically like, you know, you know, well, that's going to impact your scholarship money, your scholarship funding of the funds that you got. And, oh man, uh, you know, and then it was kind of like, well, once you heal, uh, we may need your help doing some other things. And I had a little, a little ego thing. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I kind of took it like the ball boy of the band type thing. You know, like, <laughs> like, I ain't doing that. Uh, but I think more important than that was the funding that was associated with it because out-of-state tuition was expensive. Mm-hmm. My parents, I was blessed to have my parents be able to pay for my undergraduate education, but I wanted to try to lighten the load on them. And so um, I switched it up. I didn't do music education. 
um, went back to my dorm room, started flipping through the course catalog, came across social work. Uh, I was like, oh man, like this is this is dope. Like th- th- this yeah. is essentially what I want to do. Like I love helping people. I love um, working in community. My father, I don't know if he will call himself an activist, but I call him somewhat of an activist. I think he's always just been in the in the community, in the trenches, working with folk and and doing the work. And so we was always out there doing that growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. Saw that description for social work in the catalog. Went and met with the program director. Um, uh, Vicky Gardner Williams, uh, and you know she just she basically said everything I needed to say. I hopped in the program, um, did um, they had this thing called Child Welfare Stipend Program, Title Four E, with mm-hmm. the local Department of Children's Services. They paid for my last two years of in-state tuition, gave me a stipend, promised me a job after I graduated. I was like, this is what I need. Yeah, hopped into that and and been in the field ever since, man. Just been. You know, been 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 doing it from there. How so? How long you been a social worker? Um, let's see. So, man, I graduated undergrad in '09, uh-huh. um, and then went you know went straight into work. So I graduated May of '09, and I started at Department of Children's Services in June of '09. Okay, um, and I've pretty much been connected to the work since. Now my current role. There's some stuff like if you want to be indirectly say I'm doing some social work in some ways I am, but I wouldn't. I would consider the work that I do now social work in any kind of way. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So up until now, I just started this job um, June of this year. Okay. So I've only been in it a couple of months. So up until to right now, I've I've, I've been in 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 the, in the field doing the work, man. But have you been doing clinical at all? Like, did you do any clinical work? And you you didn't pursue licensure, right? Or did you? So I, I was licensed at the master's level. So in Tennessee, you have an LBSW license, oh. master social work license, master social work. You have um, and then you have two advanced levels. So you have a licensed advanced practitioner social worker, and then you have a licensed clinical social work. So the license, the LMSW. In Tennessee, you you graduate from an accredited MSW program, and then you apply for you take a test. So it's a, a license by test. So there's no type of clinical stuff associated with it. So I had the LMSW. I let my license expire because I didn't feel like I was doing the work, and I was I wasn't in it in a direct setting like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, then I started, um, re, you know, getting my CEUs back up so I could renew my license. But then I shifted roles, and then deprioritized it again. Um, so now I never did, I wouldn't say, uh, I, I say I didn't do clinical work. If you talk to other people that are like, oh, you, I would say some of what you did was clinical. I don't think yeah. I did clinical work. I don't, I don't, um, I've never had a role where I would diagnose people. Okay. And, and okay. give them a diagnosis. Um, but I've, I've done clinical friendly type work, right? Like I've yeah. done some adjacent type work, but I wouldn't say that the work I've done is clinical. So, um, Department of Church of Services, I was doing foster care, um, reunifying children with their families when i left there i went to do i was a family resource center director mm-hmm. so just connecting the community and the students with resources um, bringing programs into the school community and into the school environment and then i was also focused on increasing family involvement so i had a lot of success just in that one school year like 25 percent increase of, of family involvement within that first school year um I had from there I went on to to work for this national nonprofit organization called Communities and Schools. Okay. And um, that's a national dropout prevention organization. And um, I went to this middle school and worked there for about three and a half years, doing similar work, connecting basically what the name says, communities and schools. So um, uh, working with the school community, working with the the actual neighboring community, the students, the families doing a needs assessment, coming up with those needs, and then going into the community and finding ways to address those needs based off of that needs assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, I, I had a, um, a caseload, like I had a, 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 a number of students that um, I worked with to address some type of need. Sometimes it was a clinical need that needed to be addressed. But again, I wouldn't say I was doing clinical work um it was more, i would say that was more case managed yeah it was therapeutic it was therapeutic <laughs> case management right like it was more that type of thing. Um, yeah therapeutic uh, but i yeah it, you know i had i had the, the the knowledge and the 
enough context to understand it, but I wouldn't, I wasn't diagnosing people. Yeah, I, I yeah. never, I've never claimed to be clinical. And, was, and when people say that, they're like, are you clinical? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not, that's not my thing. Um, and then from there, um, let's see, while I was there, I went back to school and got my doctorate in education and um, in professional practice and leadership. So I went back there and did that. And then from there, I, I kind of went to a K-12 setting more formally. So I was doing school partnerships for another nonprofit organization and was essentially um, recruiting um, recent graduates to go into the education field. So they may not have had an education degree. They may have had some other type of degree, but was recruiting them to Nashville to go into schools um, that were deemed high needs or low income. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so bringing in folks into, into going to those schools and um, also did a lot of partnership work. So working with the district, um, the school board, the district uh, level, um, lots of meetings and interactions with school principals within the city. Um, and then from there, I did a, a brief stint of talent management. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, did not like that job. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I tell everyone I did not like that. And then uh, I went, you know, throughout all of that time, I was teaching um, at right. Tennessee State, where I, I got my undergrad from. So my goal was always to go into academia, you know, to, to okay. get into a place to where I got into a professor role, got tenured, uh, became a dean or something like that. Uh, and so that was my goal. And so I had been teaching part time at an adjunct level uh, for years, for about six years. Um, got the opportunity to go into and, and teach in the master's program. And then probably two weeks in from that, the director at that time, she contacted me and was like, hey, I think you would be great at being uh, the coordinator, the director for the, the MSW program. And they shocked me. I'm like, you know, I've been teaching adjunct, but like in my first year, you're asking me to do that. Did yeah. it. Hit the ground running. Um, loved the actual work. Um, but academia, Trey, well, mm. that's, that's a beast. You know that we hear a lot of stuff that's happening in the academic world, but um, I couldn't, I, it, 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 it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was a lot of beauty to it, a lot of great things, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I knew, and I knew, I knew quickly it wasn't going to be for me. Um, and so. You knew quickly in the first year or the first time you full time? No, yeah. The first, in my first full time capacity, because I think there's. Yes, um, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Those are, those a lot of things connected to tenure, um, you know, you do a lot, you do a lot of work within academic settings where um, you're not necessarily compensated for the work that you do. Oftentimes your compensation shows up as, well, this is good for your tenure portfolio. This is good for your tenure uh, profile, uh, but it doesn't translate to dollars and cents all the time, right? And so me, where I'm at my life, 34 years old, got two children, just bought my first home, living in expensive Nashville, uh, I'm not in a place where you can tell me I got to do this and I'm not getting paid for it because it's going to look good for my tenure. Right. Um, and mm. I was doing a lot. I was working a lot of hours. I was waking up early, you know, planning for lessons and then going through accreditation stuff. I, I, you know, sometimes I was doing 12, 13, 14 hour days and, and it was making some of the least amount of money that I've made in a long time, you know? Wow. So it just got to a point for me, I was like, I love social work. I love what I'm doing, but I also need to be in a place where I'm financially able to, to make sure that my family is good, make sure that I'm able to start setting the foundation for building generational wealth for my daughters. Um, and, and what I was doing at that time was no longer able to do that. So now I'm in a corporate world mm-hmm. you know, and it's a completely, especially coming from where we at, man, and social work and, you know, the work that we do going into those corporate settings is completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now I'm in that space now, man. What type of, and I'm going I'm to piggyback, but one question for that is the program management position that you're doing. Yeah. yeah. What does that entail? Because yeah, so, you got a very unique like story in regards to your social work journey uh-huh. that leads back to education, but still has social work roots. Um, uh-huh. And so with this program management position, what would that, what does that entail? So program management, essentially I'm working within, uh, and I'm not going to, the, the, the company I'm working for, I'm working with organizations within that company 
and essentially our goal and, it, and it's global so it's i'm working with folks in 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 europe and asia and you know and and basically they come to me and they identify some type of learning gap yeah. that their employees have and they say hey we need to design some type of some type of um course some type of instructor-led training or um online module or a learning map or whatever it may be and um and basically, I just oversee, you know, I project manage the development of that curriculum. Uh, and so creating the, the learning objectives and outcomes and then determining if it's going to be an instructor-led training or if it's going to be like some web-based type training. And so it's still connected in terms of education. And then there's some, there's some social work type stuff, you know, like when you're talk, talking about like um, uh, responding to workplace violence or yeah. suicides within the workplace. Um things like that, mental health, like there are some, some pieces of that that are still social work related. Um, but it's, it's far different than anything that I've ever experienced, man. Way mm. different. Okay. Way yeah. yeah. But it sounds like it falls along the lines that you've been doing. I think that, you know, for social workers, we do get tied up in, into our credentials. And I think you're perfect candidate to come on this because, you know, even, outside of you know the thought of what i had about from this series i also wanted to give insight into the roles and positions that we can do outside of just the, the regular old you know micro macro work you know therapy and stuff like that so you literally you always had education on your mind you always wanted to teach and you literally went through that from the bsw msw to then you went to the ed brought it all back together started teaching but then you realize that this might not this might not be sustainable and which I kind of struggle in the teaching aspect because I want to teach. I want to give back and pour back. But when I see that 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 salary for adjuncts and the kids, you say, and I'm thinking about it from a because, you know, I'm in private practice. I'm thinking about it from a time standpoint in reference to the clients that I have. Let's say if I got, you know, 20 clients, at least each client is going to take up about two hours out your time you feel what i'm saying whether it's a session write notes and making phone calls whatever it depends on what type of acuity you have right something about if i have a class i'm teaching an adjunct i'm an adjunct professor and i got maybe 20 students and i'm only getting you know maybe 700 or 1500 a month for that semester but i have to be there to facilitate these discussions you know uh, schedule those times to see the cloud the uh, kids when they come in like you know if they need a help or assistance that doesn't seem really doesn't really equate <laughs> yeah. to you know what is what what, what the work I'm doing you know yeah. so I'm interested that you said that you've been teaching for adjunct it's almost like it's almost as if the part-time adjunct is just kind of the way to go because it's just a little less you know hassle less more I'm on that's one I say responsibility but it's not as entrenched, I would say. Yeah, no, no, you, no, you, you spot on, you spot okay. on. And depending on where you're at, because I've talked with a number of universities that the level of work looks different, you know, like uh, one university you could be at and you may have to revamp the entire syllabus. You, you really shouldn't be doing that as an adjunct. There should be someone that's a full-time person doing that, but you may have to revamp the entire syllabus, go through and create every lesson, create, you know, create the quick, like do so much build the entire uh, learning management system modules and then you can go to another one and have your syllabus that like a master syllabus fill in your name on it and maybe you know cre create some some conditions maybe your attendance policy or maybe your communication what you want that to look like you can do little stuff like that and then send it to a department and they build your entire learning module system for you Right, I've heard. You know that. what I'm saying? So, like, it, it looks different with each university. You know, every university is different, and so the level of work that you have to put into it looks different with 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 every university. Um, and is there I any way to gauge that before you asking questions? Really, I guess you know. Okay. One of them I work with was literally like that. They said, "Hey, we want you to teach a class." And I was shocked when I found out how what little work I had to do, and I was making more money doing it. You know, it's like, we want you to teach a class. They, we have this master syllabus. The things you can change are noted. The things you can't change aren't noted. When you get done, send it to this department. I sent it to that department. I got on Blackboard maybe two days later and all of my stuff was on there. 
All I did was talk to class, like literally graded discussions, made sure I was present in that, did the quizzes. You know, I showed up maybe four times a year. It was like a hybrid class. I think I fought four times within the semester, taught a lesson for four hours. That was it. But then there's others. I've had to rebuild an entire syllabus and set the learning objectives and come up with completely new presentations and, and it, it'd be completely different and for less money. And so um, it looks different at the adjunct level, but um, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, academia is a, is a beast. It's, a, it's an entirely different world. It's an entirely different world. Did you, did you teach community college at one point? No, I never did community college. I love more four year. Oh, you know, straight and most of my time was uh, at the master's level. At the master's level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've been wanting to jump into it, man. But, you know, timing has been all for me with yeah. the practice and jumping in full time and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, you know, I had my first supervisee. Field, I was a field instructor. Field instructor? Tad, no, task supervisor for MSW student, man. And that was pretty fun at my old job. And it's like, well, how can I get back? Because I was going to do adjunct and do TA, but um, they, the TA position kind of got moved. They, they did away with that. And so my thought was like, okay, if I do private practice, I can be a TA. I don't have to really focus on the whole the class in and of itself primarily. I just help assist. So, but I don't know, man. I, I mean, I've, I've heard stories, man. And um, I've heard stories and, you know, getting back to the conversation is, is interesting that we talked about it like that. But, you know, I was really excited when, because how we met was, you know, I, you came on, you was on one of the uh, Black Men in Social Work panels, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I, I followed you and I listened to you on that and then ended up adding you on Twitter. Of course, you know, Social Work Twitter is kind of lit or whatever. And then you asked me to speak to one of your classes. I was like, man, this is so dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? To have one of your classes and set this thing up and maneuver how you want to. So, like, you, you was like one of those, like, kind of pushing forward for me to... So maybe I'll, you know, look into this a little bit more, even though I've been thinking about it and stuff like that. So, but then you came back after that, you were just like, you know, I'm going to go get this new position. Then I said, forget it. I'm going to go this way because what academia. And um, I was like, man, and I, I hear stories. Yeah. It's, it's back and forth. Some people love it. Some people deal with it differently. But you said one good thing, I believe, is, is that, you know, and this goes beyond our credentials in regards to, what we need for me and us and our families what's going to be sufficing yeah. what's going to be fulfilling for us you know as yeah. much as i talk to my clients about what makes you fulfilled or happy we got to do the same thing as professionals yeah yeah man and and, and, and let me say this like i want to be clear about this my 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 intent is at some point i'm going back into that academic setting right because it was one of the it was one of the most enriching jobs for me to be able to build that relationship with students to be able to teach to be able to to set my own learning environment you know right. i created that environment and I, man i loved it i loved teaching and i think especially in that last in, in that in that first full year that i was doing it when i was able to dedicate all of my time to that like i didn't have any other roles it was the first time i ain't worked three or four jobs right yeah. like i was <laughs> focused and Man, like I had some tremendous results in that first year, just in terms of like, and you know, I don't know how how other people see this, but I'm really looking at this data and looking at my my uh, evaluations and stuff. And you know, that's just one 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 uh, data point. But I was doing well, you know, and not just like in them like it was the stuff that I was hearing from students as well. Like I was being very intentional about creating a community and culture within those in, within that space, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. But I didn't love the other pieces that came with it. Like I didn't, I didn't love the the tenure process. I, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's a there's a lot expected of you for free in many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, and they, and they, and like I said, they connected to where you'll get tenured. Um, but we're not talking about tenure being like a year process. That's five years. You know, four yeah. five years that you're doing that type of stuff, um, and you're not necessarily doing it for a livable wage. Right. You know, right. Um, and so it was it was challenging, but I I fully plan to get back into it, you know, later in, in life because I loved it. Um, and I was right before I, I resigned, I was offered the director role. Mm. Right before I, and, and that was it for me. It was like a go. 
Yeah, that's one you know, of your that was goals. a goal, and then yeah, and it was like a it was a tension there, man, because it's like, okay, dang, like this is it. Like even in that moment, it's like, okay, with well, that that hard work that I put in in that first year is being recognized, but um, it, it didn't make sense numerically, man. And, and and I'll say this, I've said this to to, well, I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, it just didn't make sense numerically. You know, like it it, it didn't. I mean, for me to be, you know. 13 years in the game, terminal degree, the amount of money I was making, I was making $57,000, man. To teach full-time? Teach full-time. Wow. $57,000. Wow. I had made that amount of money in a long time. And and I lost, you know, thinking about that going into it full-time, I, I was no longer teaching as an adjunct. So that little thousand twelve hundred dollars thirteen hundred dollars i might have been making a month for teaching a couple of courses i lost that too because now i'm teaching full time they're not giving me extra classes right you know like yeah. i just got that i'm not getting extra classes at tsu because i'm i mean at this university because i'm doing that so it's like you know i'm making fifty seven thousand dollars man yeah i'm you know i'm making it but uh if if something popped up it's like man there goes a credit card yeah, I can't do nothing with that, man. And I was like, this is it's not working for me. 57, 30, 34 years old, 13 years in the game, two kids, new house, Nashville, nah. Tennessee. Can't do it. Nah. Okay, I couldn't do it. But I I I loved the work, man. I I loved it. I enjoyed being around the students and, and teaching, but that's the it just wasn't the, the, the return on investment wasn't there. It wasn't what I could do. So that's something that you you, uh, you would come back to. And, I, and it sounds almost as that, you know, I said, talking to the homies a couple times, talking to my wife about this stuff, you know, at this point in time, almost, if it ain't about dollars, it, it ain't making no sense right now. Because, yeah. you know, you feel like you've, you've you put in the work, time and effort to do that type of work where you won't get paid or it's for free, this, that, and the third. And I think it's, you know, I, I, I like, much like you, I'm in that same space where I'm like, hey, listen, I, it's a certain amount that's going to make me come out for this or do this um, because my time is valued right now, you know, and my, my all that makes sense with my, me and my family, me and myself personally, and then also, you know, with my private practice and how I show up for my clients. So if the dollars don't make sense, for a side hustle or part-time gig or teaching gig or whatever, I'm not going to you know, minimize that just to make a quick, mm -hmm. quick few extra bucks. It has to be worth my time. It has to be worth the amount of money to put in that extra time and energy in order to get that, that, that actual money. And that's, you know, a couple years ago, right? That might be like, okay, well, you're, you're not being humble or you're not being mm -hmm. realistic. This is the field of social mm -hmm. work. And it's like, we can make this money in the social work, yeah. but we have to, strategically understand what to say yes to and what to say no to, especially if we're talking about license, if we're licensed, we got the doctorate, you got, you can say yes and no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, man. So. And, I, and I think that's it. Like, I feel like, you know, you know, I think there's a tension between that because I, I understand it to an extent, not necessarily because of social work, just because I think like if I'm, if I'm someone who's fresh out of school with a bachelor's degree, um, I have to be more intentional about the things I'm saying yes and no to than someone who's been in the game for that amount of years. You know, right. like you, you, you. I think there is some value. Uh, I'm not gonna say completely, but I think there is some value to saying like, let me take advantage of this opportunity, and maybe I don't get paid, or maybe I get a small amount if I'm, you know, just graduating with a bachelor's degree and I'm trying to get more experience. But I think at this point, like licensed doctorate 13 years in the game you know like yeah. i'm thinking about all of these things like i have more to offer and so it's like no nah, i can't do this now nah, it's, it's it's time for me to i gotta cash in you yeah. know because i've been I, I done stayed focused i done stayed grounded i didn't i done been in it and so at this point it's like no nah, you know it's time to i need i need to be paid what i what i brought for my value and so yeah. i had to you know but I plan to go back, man. I loved it. At some point, it may not be that university; it may be another one. But um, man, I love it. I love. Yeah. I loved it. You know, I, I you know, 
there's nothing about that experience that I regret. Um, I wish I would have knew more about the way it worked going into it, but you know, I loved it. You let me learn. Yeah. yeah. You let me yeah. learn. Gotcha. Okay. Shifting gears real quick. Um, cause that was, that was some good conversation. Well, I thought, boy, we about to hold that <laughs> reschedule some things, boy. Um, so what, what, what would you be doing if it wasn't for program management or teaching? What would you be doing? Man, this is not, not connected to social work. Yeah, not connected to social work. Not connect, man, I probably, man, my father and I talk about this. We've talked about it maybe two or three times this week because you and I have rapped about this, but my father, he had this old Cadillac DTS. Oh, yeah. 2007 Cadillac DTS. And um, he had been doing lots of work on it. Transmission went out and he got frustrated. He was like, it's too much money. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not, and then I think Transmission Shop called him like $4,500 and he had just put a whole bunch of money and he's like, I'm not doing that. No more car that's worth 5000 Right. So he said, he went and bought him a Ford Escape. Mm. But my father was different. My father's 6'6". You know, he's all he's driven is, he's, he's had a couple of Cadillacs since I, you know, he had a Grand Marquis F-150, Buick, say that. He, bought, he went and bought a little Ford Escape. And um, huh. he said, I'm about to sell the Cadillac. I said, sell it. I said, well, I'll buy it from you. How much you want? He said, man, you can have it. So he gave it to me. Yeah. And I just been out here working on it, man. I just been doing little projects on it. Like I was telling you yesterday, I right. was out there. It probably shouldn't have been because I was sick, but I'm out up under the car, you know, taking the bump off and stuff. And um, he was like, man, you, you should have been a mechanic. Or you should have did some, some type of job where you could design cars and stuff like that. Right. Said, you know what, Trey, like that would have been it for me, like become some type of automotive engineer or something. That would have been it. That would have been the dream job for me. Whenever you want to get this popping, Doc, let's get it. Hey. <laughs> hey, that would have been it. I'm for real, man. I mean, I just, and that's a lot of my 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 um spare time, like a lot of my pastime is just, you know, watching that stuff, like watching that type of stuff on YouTube. And yeah. Just understanding it, man. I woke up this morning and watched YouTube for about two hours, just learning about uh, different type of automotive things and mm-hmm. the history. I was watching the history of, of engine oil filters this morning. Oh, snap. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would be doing, man. I'd be up under the car, man. I designing it, you know, designing cars or something like that, man. That's what's up, bro. I think that, and that's one of the things that connected us on Twitter. You know, I, I only, I think I tweeted something about a car. You tweeted something about a car and then you know how car guys do they, that instant boom. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, it's it's wild because you know my first business. I think I, I don't know if I told you was a car custom business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and um, me. we did that for a couple of years while in grad school, which was nuts. Probably it wasn't probably the right thing to do, but we you know we did custom work, man. You know, whether it was tent systems, detailing, yeah. and at the time, I don't know if you know, you know, uh, plastic dip. Uh, no. So sense. plastic dip is um rubber a rubberized alternative to paint. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So we was doing yeah. that. We was doing full cars. We was doing full cars with it um, for a while and stuff like that. And um, it was fun, man. But it's taxing because you know, you, I, you know, I was both the owner, operator, and scheduler, and going to school. Yeah. You know, I co-own with my homies, but you know, so I, I was doing most of the scheduling and everything. So it was kind of wild, but it was fun. And I, you know, I said to myself, you know, um, I want to get back into it at some point later on when I'm a little more stabilized because I still have the heart for cars. It's always been there. I love cars. I love working on cars. When I don't touch them enough, I get, you know, antsy or just get down. So I'll go out there and, you know, finagle with my beam or something like that. Just like the build. Like I built my first projector retrofit for the first time uh, on my beam. Had to take it out. Because the headlight housing was trash, but a retrofit from the projector to the halo, to the lights, to the wires. First time doing it, man. That was crazy, y'all. So yeah. I, I, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Man. Yeah, I would. I would love to. That's, I, and that was it's funny you say about the headlight because I was messing with my Ram yesterday. Uh-huh. You know, I got a Ram Rebel, and they got those um, projector like that has like the LED turn signal. Yeah, but my my driver's side has moisture in it. So it just it just sits in there, and it's already it's a known, it's a known issue for them 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 Chryslers, man, them, them Chrysler oh. vehicles, them Chrysler. I think my last Ram did it, and um, 
So I, I went out there and, and removed the grill from the truck and um, was removed the headlight housing, was trying to like reseal it up. And there was some vents that they were saying, like I was looking at, if you change the, 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 the structure of the vent, like release some of it, it'll help. It didn't help. So <laughs> what I'm probably going to end up having to do is, is just get a new, um, completely new assembly, headlight assembly, but I'll probably do a custom one instead of just yeah. doing a factory one, but. Is the yeah. factory one come with, come with LEDs, HIDs? Yeah. Well, it doesn't have HIDs. It just it has the regular um, uh, uh, headlight, but it doesn't. It, but it has LED uh, turn lights. Turn. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I'm about to say uh, you put a, put the um, put the new jumps in it with the projector, put the LEDs, HIDs in it, and you know be fine. The only thing about the Dodge and Chrysler jumps when you put them HID kits, that you have to put a um, a capacitor. You have to put a no a relay. You gotta put a relay on because they won't work or they flicker. And, the one I was looking at yesterday, um, I found, well, actually this morning, I found like just a whole replacement, do some custom ones, just replace the old assembly. It came with two two of them, I believe. It was like two relays in there. Mm. So um, that's probably because all that's, man, I, I tried to do it on my dad's truck. His other one he had, he had a gray one. Okay. And that joint, I put that joint and that joint was came on and then it was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Say forget it, forget it, man. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, and that's what I had to do on the Cadillac yesterday, man. Because my my the, the headlight, the HID on the driver's side, I'd be riding, we'd go on and just flash off. Yeah, so I didn't know if it was the uh, the balance. I was like, man, I don't want to replace that, but I just went and got a new headlight, changed it out, and ended up working out. I mean, a new uh, HID light. Them HIDs are expensive, though, man. I tried to be cheap, man. I tried to yeah. find one on Amazon. I found a, a two pack for forty dollars. I should have known, Trey. You should have known. known. I should have known. I'll go out there. I got the bumper. I'll put it out. I go out there. I try to put it in. It wouldn't fit. I said, "Man, I'm gonna just send it on back and <laughs> on and go to the store, pay this hundred and twenty for it, man, and go and throw it in there." You know the joints I used to use a lot um, from eBay was called Zentech HIDs, and then mm -hmm. um, they were like maybe thirty five a pop. They were solid, but they would last for a good while. But um, the HID set I bought from my Beamer, I uh, went bought the full set from um, the retrofitsource.com, okay. and um, they were pretty solid. They're pretty well um, reputable um, brand, and they they they'd be a little more expensive, but yeah. they they should last. You know what I'm saying? They're powerful. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but yeah. All right, man. So what um, what's your top five favorite cars? Top five favorite cars. Oh man. Oof. <laughs> man it depends so we talking we talking uh decade what what what, what time period are we talking about <laughs> that's if, a hard question <laughs> all right oh, so man. if you had a limited amount of money and they say you could take all the you, you got five slots you got a five car garage and you got the whatever amount of money you want and you gotta fill up those five car slots, but you only got five car slots. What <laughs> what would you put in there? Uh 96 Impala SS. Okay. I'm gonna do mm. My top five questions have been kicking, kicking people up, oh, like, tripping people like up. That, that <laughs> um, I'm going to do a, um, so I remember when, growing up, I was telling you when my father had his Cadillac and I, that Cadillac, I've been looking for one, but um, he had a, a 88 Cadillac Brohan, oh. white with burgundy leather seats. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would feel, I, I just remember like the technology of it. Yeah, like it, was, it was nothing for today, but like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'd have to have one of them. He also had this Caprice. I don't remember what year it was. He had a brown Caprice. Caprice is always kind of just like the staples. Caprice classic. Man, Caprice classic. Yeah, I don't remember what year he had, though. Um, but that Cadillac Broham, uh, 96 Impala. You know, I'm a truck guy too, man. That's that's my thing. I'm mm -hmm. I'm a truck person. Um so I'm gonna go modern, I'm gonna say 21 Ram TRX. Oh gosh. 
You know what I you know what I used to always want. No, I'm, a, I'm not gonna put this in the slot, but I used to always want a dodge and trap it. I used to always want to entrap it. I'm not gonna put that in the slot. I used to always want to entrap it, man. Why? I don't know. I saw one recently too. I was like, man, why did I want that? Oh my gosh. I mean, you know what? Sometimes some of them just are kind of random that you really like. I've like I've always wanted one of those older Toyota small pickups. Yeah. Or the Mazda ones. Yeah. From like the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Square small box. I've always wanted one of them, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it's it's clean. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um Oh man, this is a tough one. But you got two more slots left? I two? Got two more. You got a nice little range right now. You got some caddies, you got this, you got the truck. Mm-hmm. I need a two-door. Mm-hmm. Man. I used to, I remember uh, watching Smokey and the Bandit with my uncle. Mm-hmm. Used to want one of them, man. Smokey Smoke and the Bandit. The, wait, wait, wait. The, I think it was uh, Trans Am. The joint with the um, the, the bird on the, the hood? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I won't say that was what was in Smokey and the Bandit. It was at Trans Am, man. Um, I used to want one of them so bad, man. That's fire. I can I can see that. Um, I can see that. There's a firebird. Firebird. Was it Firebird? Jam. 78, 77 Pontiac Trans Am. Yeah, that's what I thought I was say. It's a little, it's a, yeah. yeah. You know them, they, they were similar. Um man, I need one more. One more. One more. I want uh, I would want a BMW. Come on over. <laughs> three. I want that wagon. That that three series wagon. Three series wagon. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think that would be my five. If okay. I had to choose five. Yeah, if you had to so many cars in there, because I feel like I would have more trucks, and I didn't put an old truck in there. I didn't even put a classic truck in there. Yeah, it's something to think about, right? It's best for you just to, if you had the opportunity, man, you know, had the opportunity. I think I would have just, you know, if I had unlimited money, I'd probably have one a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a, a big old just estate, of a big old garage and just have something parked in it. That's, that's. In it on, on property. Right. That's my thought is I'm trying to get like an attached garage to the house and then like a big three to five garage separate for everything else that I want. You know what I'm saying? So what you think about this electric wave, man? What you, what you think about the electric car wave? I think it's inevitable. And I think it's going to happen um, quicker than we think. It's not, I can, I can get with it. I just don't, I can't get with it right now. Um, Cause I still need a couple more things, but I could see myself owning an electric vehicle. Right now, it's looking like a Tesla, because I test drove one and I fell in love. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to happen, bro. I think it's, it's there. Man, when I went to, uh, I was at the uh, uh, shop on Thursday, I was getting uh, that that exhaust, getting mm. that Super 44 put on that Flowmaster, put on the truck. And I was talking to that dude. I was like, man, you know, like, you know, how's that going to change your business? Because I'm electric mm-hmm. cars don't need no exhaust. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have that. So I'm like, man, how's it gonna impact your business when you know everything is shifting to electric? But um yeah, I'm with you. I think it, it is, it's just it's inevitable, it's gonna happen. Um I know a lot of these even a lot of these companies, these industries are had setting goals for their companies to, for their like their their vehicles to be fully electric by a certain certain yeah, year, like large large corporations and stuff. And so yeah, I mean it's, it's inevitable for me. 
I think about um, logistics too. So like, you know, the, the home I build is a townhome community. Right. We don't have garages. Oh. You know? So it's like, and there's someone over here in my community, they have an electric, they have an Audi e-tron. Uh, and it's like, so you, you can walk past and, you know, they got the cord running from the house to the car. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. well, you know, how do you, you know, it's just logistically, what is that going to look like when, when most of the world has shifted, you know, worse than most of it has shifted to this electric, you know, of course, gasoline cars will still be around, but, you know, that, I, I thought about that when I was buying this Ram, I was like, man, should I just, when that F-150 got announced. Yeah, the Lightning, yeah. Yeah, the well, Lightning got announced because the base price on it ain't too bad. It was like the base not. price, like 37 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's and not. It's not man, that bad. I could bad. just wait on that. And, um, and, 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 but I was like, man, logistically, where would I, you know, where would I plug it up at? You know, I, I'm I not going to be running no cord from the house. Well, yeah, but you know, what happens is you get to change the outlet in the house, you know, yeah. but you ain't got no garage. So that's going to be yeah. interesting for developers. <laughs> Unless they start the EV charging stations like beside neighborhoods, in the neighborhoods, including the rent. But, you know, like Tesla, Tesla has them like randomly all yeah. through this, you know, the states. And then this car tells you where they're at. Yep. So if they go off the Tesla model, then they're probably going to put them in certain pockets, you know, just I like that. Ford is like it, too. Ford is like it. So like if you put it in your GPS. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the GPS, like the whole computer on board, like, you know, if you're going 500 miles, it'll calculate the amount of miles that you got left. And then it, uh, when you put it in your GPS, it'll, it'll, it'll automatically route you to a place that you're going to have to go to get charged. Yeah. In, oh, in okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of employers, are, you know, like my employer in the garage does just a section for electric cars. Oh, you know, okay. so I could, you know, if I go to work, I could just pull up and charge it and not have to worry about the house. But that just seems, man, seems like inconvenient. Seems excessive, whatever. right? Yeah, it seems excessive. So what what you're going to probably have to do is like, you know, they're going to have to build them into the housing developments, at least until mostly if you got a garage is going to be that. But those who don't, they can probably even put them in those developments because like my cousin, he has in his apartment complex, there's some, you could rent garages, but then there's charging stations out there too in the yeah. de- housing development. So yeah. I think that's what's going to start happening as, as they go forward or everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're coming to a close right now, uh, uh, Doc. So we can probably keep talking for, for, for days, realistically. Um, so I wanted some more quick hitters real quick. Um, basketball top five. Top five favorite players. Top five favorite players. Not the yeah. best, but the top five favorite. Your top five favorite. My top five favorite. Yeah. Uh, KG. Are we going in order? No no particular order. Five. No particular order. Kevin Garnett. Okay. Was always one of my favorite players. Um, Westbrook. Okay. Westbrook okay. one of my favorite. Brody. Brody. Yeah, Westbrook. Um Um, mm, Rondo, got to go with the the hometown boy. Mm-hmm. Rajon, one of my favorite. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, he is from Louisville. Forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, yeah, he might be. He might reach out. He might be with the squad. He might be with your might squad. Come on back. He might be back. He might Lakers be back. in six. <laughs> I hope. I hope he gets to make it back. I hope he gets to make it back. Yeah, I was I was bummed when he didn't sign, resign. He went to Atlanta, and then they they been shipping him ever since, man. Um, who I got? I said KG, Russ, Westbrook, Rondo. Um, actually, let me do it this way because I'm I'm gonna think of it in terms of a lineup. So we're gonna say, at the point I need, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna put uh, Rajon guard. I'm gonna do Kobe forward. I'm gonna do LeBron power forward. I'm gonna do Garnett center. My favorite center. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with Elijah Wan. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a nice. That's that's that. Now, top top now, five. I think, 
my favorite though, my, my my the most dominant, of course, is Shaq. Like I'm taking Shaq with me. But yeah, my favorite, absolutely. Elijah one, you can't. You can't do nothing with Elijah yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. Well, listen, resident doc, man, we coming to the end, man. I wish we could. We got, I probably I do a second version for you, me and you, especially about parenthood. And I wanted to learn more about cycling. Um, but you know, I also at the end at the end of pod, the podcast, I want to always give flowers to my guests and stuff like that. And I wanted to let you know that you know I appreciate everything you bring to the field of social work, your actual authenticity, your um your blackness, and how you show up for us as black men, but also African American people as a whole in the profession in the field of social work. Um, whether it's you doing teaching, uh, program management, or just you know really just bucking the system, but saying we don't have to be just these different letters right here we are we can bring in all these different elements and bring it into this field of practice and space man and so you know I, I love that energy i love your mindset about how you look at and approach different things and your perspective is very refreshing it's humbling um and it's just it's very cool flowing nature you know i say it's not it's not it's never too exciting it's never too down it's like you know we're gonna just ride through this thing real cool and calm like so i just want to say i appreciate you sir um and everything you bring to the table and i'm so thankful for the friendship that we have even if it is through social media you know what i'm saying yeah man yeah yeah man. that's our love man i appreciate that and we're gonna we're gonna get man this pandemic putting the damp on thing because ain't enough for me to hop on the flight i already told uh I already told Christopher I'm 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 trying to get out to Portland. Yeah. Uh, and so no, nah, ain't you know it ain't nothing, man. We gotta yeah, you gotta get it beyond just the, the social media thing. But I appreciate that, man. I appreciate yeah. those those uh, those words. I appreciate absolutely, that. absolutely, my brother. Yeah, we got the pandemic just threw a damper or anything. But um, tell tell everybody where they can find you and anything you want to promote real quick. You can go ahead. Yeah, man. Uh, um, Twitter, um, Instagram, same handle. Kev Intellect K E V. N T E L L E C T. Um, and I don't have nothing to promote, man. I'm just, hey, this is the most, this is the most chill part of my life that I've ever had. It's the first time I'm working on one job. I'm not doing <laughs> this and doing that. I'm just chilling, relaxing, enjoying yeah. my, my new car project, enjoying fatherhood, man, and 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 being there for my babies. And and uh and and that's it, man. I don't have nothing else to promote, man. I'm just just enjoying life, just taking it easy at this point. Yeah, that's good, man. We we gonna hop back on and talk about fatherhood podcast episode one time, um, because that's gonna be a probably a whole episode. So yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll yeah. definitely do that. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, Doctor Kevin Hager, we appreciate you coming on. Everybody, relax more than my credential series, man. We appreciate you for our listeners. Thank y'all for listening, man. And we'll check in with y'all soon. <laughs>